take a seat. Thank you. Good evening, everyone. Hi. Uh, <laughs> thankful to get to see all of you. You know, um, isn't God good? Thank you. Yes, he is. Feedback night. We're going to, we'll get there, right? <laughs> Man, I get to have my mask off and honestly taking it off over there, I was like, freedom. Freedom. It's so wonderful. Man, thank you guys for, for buying in on this stuff. It's what allows us to come and still honor the authorities above us. And, but man, will it be good when it's over, right? Amen. <laughs> as soon as we can, as soon as it makes sense for us to, we're certainly going to ditch these things and start giving each other hugs again. I don't know how many people have walked down and I'm like, hi. No, sorry, no. Like, what a, that's brutal. The struggle is real. But uh, I just want to say thank you for participating. You know, ultimately it's inconvenient, but we still get to worship God. We're not hindered in our praise of him. We're not hindered in our ability to declare his goodness, nor in uh, preaching the gospel. And so I'm thankful we still get to come together. So thank you for coming and being here and getting to be a part of this. It's so good. It's so good. Uh, one day you'll be as free as I am right now. It'll be beautiful. It'll be beautiful. Well, um, tonight, um, tonight we're going to be talking about uh, relational rhythms. We've been talking about uh, rhythms or ruin. And, um, you know, uh, before I do that, <laughs> before I do that, before we get in this, um, I know for many of you, the passing of, of uh, Ryan and Zeke probably hit pretty close to home. And for some of you, you're like, I don't know what you're talking about, and that's okay. But others of you, maybe you didn't know Ryan and Zeke, they passed in a car accident not far from here. And so having somebody who's uh, your age or younger die unexpectedly is hard. And so I just want to extend right now, while I have a moment uh, of everyone's attention, to just let anyone who needs help, we're here for you. We're here for you. You know, all of us as a church, but also like Sarah, myself, Brian Howard, Jake, Robbie, like... We are your ministers and your shepherds, and it's a calling that God has given us, and it's a joy that we get to, to sit and serve you and listen and care and, and help. And so we want to help. So if any of you need help, if you need someone to talk with, please come find one of us. We'd, we'd love to talk. Cool? Yeah. Let's, let's actually, let's pray. Let's take a moment and pray for those families. Um, Father God, ruler of all creation, you know the time set before each one of us, and um, Ryan and Zeke were fearfully and wonderfully made, loved and cherished by you all their lives. And Lord, I don't know their reflections on you. I don't know the extent of their grip upon Jesus, but your word makes clear your love for them. Your invitation to them as for all of us. And so we trust your love, Lord. And we call upon your love and care to be showered upon the bishop and more families. And, and Lord, rally your church. Rally your church. Holy Spirit, send your people to them with encouragement and comfort. Lord, carry each family member, carry each friend through this grief. 
May the beauty of this sorrowful road be that you are on it with them, that they're not alone. So, Lord, um, to you be all the glory, all the honor, all the power forever and ever, Lord. We know you love us. We know you love them. You see this family, Lord. Would you care for them? And send us as necessary to be your hands and feet for them, to them. We love you, Lord. Amen. Amen. Thanks. <laughs> if you think of it, pray for the Zeke and more, or for the Bishop and more families. Even if you don't know them, pray for them. There's people hurting in our community. So pray for them. All right? And if you need help, if you need someone to talk with, come. We're available. It doesn't have to be me. It can be anyone. But talk to someone, okay? Cool. All right. Where was I? Rhythm. Rhythm. Uh, we're talking about relational rhythms tonight. Relational rhythms. And uh, I'm so thankful to get to teach on this tonight because it's something I care deeply about. Uh, it's something that I feel like God has uh, gifted me and, and shaped me to operate well in. Not perfectly, actually uh, quite horribly at times. But there's other times where I'm like, wow, God, you really did some good things through me on this. And so it's something I get to teach on that I'm like, all right, I know about this, <laughs> which is great. <laughs> and I hope that whatever I have to share tonight blesses you. But I hope more than that, I, I hope it uh, leads you to be more like Jesus to live in love like him, that you can implement these things and, and experience the abundant life God intends for each one of us. You know, in uh, preparing for tonight, the thing that kept coming to mind, the thing that I kept coming back to was planting seeds. Anyone done that? You know, like, I, I shouldn't say anyone done that. You all did it, like in preschool, right? And maybe it went well, maybe it didn't. So you understand, planting seeds is a faith action. It's an action of faith. You know, recently Amy and I, Amy's my wife, um, she and I decided to plant some seeds. You know, at the beginning of this, it was like, you know, is there going to be any food? So we're like, well, we should grow our own tomatoes and we'll just eat tomatoes, I guess. I don't know what the plan was, but at least we'll have tomatoes. And so we we're like, let's plant some seeds. And so we took a handful of seeds, we planted them, we watered them, the whole deal. We went through it all, right? And from beginning to end, it was an act of faith. From beginning to end, it was an act of faith. It was an action of faith. Now, even just that first step uh, of the endeavor, of the act, is an act of faith. Uh, back home, I've got a bunch of other seeds that are still in the bag. They're still in the bag. So I have seeds that have never sprouted because I didn't plant them. I didn't take that first step of action. I didn't take that first step of action. I've got others uh, that never sprouted, or at least didn't make it very far. <laughs> it's really great when you see the little thing come up, and you're like, yes, we're going to have tomatoes. And then like a day later, you're like, oh, well, that's unfortunate. <laughs> like, it's such an act of faith. You're just holding out for what God is doing. But anyway, I have others that, that sprouted maybe, uh, or never sprouted, because I abandoned the rhythm of watering them. I gave up. My faith ran out. Or at least my action to follow up on that faith ran out. And then there's a few. That, that in diligent, repetitious faith, we, we kept at it. And now, I should say few. We actually have one. <laughs> there's one tomato plant that's alive, which is awesome. But thankfully, there's a sharing garden, which is really cool, by the way, in our neighborhood around the corner. And so we got some other ones. So it looks like we did much better than we did. Because we got someone else is better at this than we are. 
And now there's a sunflower that's like this big. It's so huge. And I did not expect to have a tree, a sunflower tree in our backyard, but it's there. Getting distracted. Uh, basically, <laughs> those plants are about to bear fruit. That one plant is about to bear fruit because we are faithful in watering it and taking care of it, of tending it. And these rhythms that, that Brian, the rhythm of working hard and resting well that Brian talked about last week, what I'm talking about tonight, the things we're going to talk about over the next four weeks, these, you may say amen to them. You know, at the end of last week, I was like, say amen, and everybody said amen. And I was like, oh, you agreed to it. You're going to do it. But guess what? There's a lot of things that we're going to say amen to and be like, yes, that is good, that is good, that is good. But maybe like last week, you walked away from Brian's message and were motivated, you were inspired, you were like, yes, but here we are a week later and those seeds are still in the bag. You haven't had faith that doing anything with that knowledge would be fruitful. We've got to plant these things. We've got to have the faith to plant them and see what comes from it. You know, it doesn't take much to agree with these rhythms, but it takes faith to plant them and to implement them, to keep at it. It takes faith. It all takes faith. And I believe that if you put these rhythms into practice, you may not see immediate, you probably won't see immediate results. You won't. You won't see fruit right away. But if you put it into practice, believing that down the line you will see an abundant harvest, I believe you will because God says you will. God makes that clear. Also, we've got all the saints and followers of Jesus that have gone before us that have testified over and over and over again for millennia that this stuff produces fruit in our lives and it's worth it. And so we've got data to go on to build up our faith. It's an act of faith, an action of faith. It is proactive living rather than reactive living. And I think we just need to embrace that God cares deeply about our relationships. God cares deeply about the relationships in your life. And the Bible speaks extensively about them. And tonight will not be an exhaustive study. I tried to make it an exhaustive study, and it was going to be really, really long. Uh, actually, it wasn't even exhaustive. That wasn't, ex- I just put a lot in here and then I was like, dang, we're going to be here for three hours. I got to trim this down. Robbie's going to shake his head at me. So, <laughs> so I trimmed it down. This is not exhaustive, but there's three things. There's three rhythms. I just want you to take home. Uh, these three rhythms, if you take them and you implement them, I believe you'll see the fruit of God's goodness in your life. If you put the faith behind the knowledge, I believe you will see good things in your life. So here are the three things. Here are the three things. Humility begets health. Honesty is the best policy. And your influence is limited and so is theirs. You've got to be humble. You've got to be honest. And you've got to recognize where you end and another person begins. If we, as a community, can implement these three rhythms in our relationships and in our lives, I believe we will see an abundance of life, of health, uh, an abundance of God's work among us because we're removing things that are currently maybe in the way of what God wants to show and reveal and do through us. Us, as in this church, this community, and, and you specifically as a believer, as a follower of Jesus. You know, um, 
There's going to be a lot of things on the screen, at least for me. Brian Howard usually uses a lot of things. I usually don't use many. But there's going to be more tonight, and I think it's good stuff. And the screens are hard to see. Also, if you're watching online, you can't see the screens at all. So I just want to remind you, you can go to calvarywestlake.org backslash words. And not just the worship lyrics are there, but actually all these slides. So even if you're here and you're like, I can't see, then pull it up on your phone, calvarywestlake.org backslash words, and you can get all this stuff. It's also archived there. All of our past message slides are. So if you're like, what did Brian say last week? Go look at those slides and pull those notes again if you don't have them. All right. All right. So, first one. Ready? <laughs> Great. <laughs> Humility begets healthy relationships. Begets is a weird word. I don't know why I chose that. All right, Ephesians 4.2. Paul is speaking here in this passage, or in this verse, uh, of the, the life that reflects the calling we have received in Christ Jesus. And like his thesis statement. Uh, it's, what, it's his thesis statement here of what it looks like to follow Jesus. And, and he begins it with these three words. He says, be completely humble. Be completely humble. If your life is to reflect the call you have in Christ, you need to be completely humble. Now, granted, that's probably beyond, that's not probably guaranteed. It's beyond all of us. But we got to try real hard. <laughs> it's worth it to try and implement this rhythm to try and submit ourselves to this rhythm that God calls us to, of being completely humble. Now, elsewhere in Scripture, we see the necessity of humility in relationships, that without humility, relationships aren't going to thrive. You know, the book of Proverbs, it's a book devoted to wisdom, and it's filled with calls to be humble. Filled with calls to be humble. I'm just going to read off three verses here. Proverbs 11.2. When pride comes, then comes disgrace, but with humility comes wisdom. Proverbs 15.33, wisdom's instruction is to fear the Lord, and humility comes before honor. Proverbs 22.4, humility is the fear of the Lord. Its wages are riches and honor and life. Humility is central to healthy relational rhythms. And so uh, tonight, I, I really want to make this stuff practical. And so here's what I want to do. Uh, first, with this, with this first one, I'm going to do it this way. I'm going to clarify what humility is, and then I'm going to give you one super practical, very straightforward tip <laughs> or way to have this rhythm manifest in your life. So, first of all, let's clarify humility. Humility, my friends, is not self-deprecation. Humility is not the person who undervalues themselves. At least not the humility that is presented in Scripture. That's not what we see in Scripture. We see in the Bible that, that it's made very clear you have immense value. You were uh, created by, by a God who loves you and values you <laughs> immensely. Enough to give up his own son to, to come and serve you with his life. It's, you have immense value to God, to your creator, but also to this community. The Bible makes that clear. You have value to us. We need you. We need each other. We're better off with each other. You have value. You are fearfully and wonderfully made with a purpose and a calling, and God has woven you together with abilities and opportunities. 
And as a follower of Jesus, the Holy Spirit imbued you with special giftings for his service in the building up of God's people. You have immense value, and it's more than potential. You have fruit in your life, right? You do things well. Can you all say amen? Amen. You do things well. There's great things about you. Can you all say amen to that again? Humility is not denying that. That's not, scripture doesn't call us to deny that there's good things about us or that there's fruit in our life. That's not what God is calling us to with humility. It's about honoring the one who gave those praiseworthy things to you in the first place. You do things well, and there are things about you that are praiseworthy, my friends. Embrace that. It's not prideful to embrace that. That may be a weird thing to hear, but it's not. If somebody says, hey, great job on whatever, I don't know. I really like the way you whatever. Say, thank you. That's pretty easy. (laughs) That's pretty easy. Say, thank you. Getting distracted and lost, but it's good. So it's not about thinking highly of yourself or lowly of yourself, right? It's about thinking truly about yourself. That's what humility is. It's not about thinking high of yourself or thinking low of yourself. It's thinking truly about yourself. So I'm going to sum this up kind of in three points right here. This is what humility is. You have value and are worthy of praise. You have value all the time and you're worthy of praise most of the time, (laughs) right? Like sometimes we do dumb things and well, we do dumb things, but you are worthy of praise at times. Second, God gave you those things. God gave you those things. Your value and praiseworthy attributes originated with God. So to deny them would be dishonoring to him. And to think of yourself as the source or originator of that praiseworthiness also dishonors him. And is a gross misunderstanding of how this all works. That is pride. That is pride, is to stop at I have praiseworthy things and not to recognize that I got them from somewhere. They didn't come from me. They came from him. All that is good and praiseworthy comes from him. Now, finally, lastly, well, I'll read through them again. You have value and are praiseworthy. God gave you those things. And then the last one here, you are not greater than your master. If our Lord, our creator, who is the originator of all things, praiseworthy and good, stepped down to earth and became the servant of all, who are we not to do the same thing? We are not greater than our master. Humility is accepting that and recognizing that. That the one who is greater than us put others before himself and then said, go and do likewise. And so humility is to follow his example. Amen? Amen. Good. There's good things about you. There's praiseworthy things about each one of you. You have value. And that value came from somewhere. It didn't start with you. And the one who gave it to you models putting others before himself. The one who's greater than you models putting others before himself. Humility is not to deny how, that you have anything good about you. It's not to say everything is good about you. It's to say there are some things that are good. There are some things that are bad. Either way, the one who gave it to me humbled himself for the sake of others. And so I'll do likewise. It's humility. So, That's humility. Here's the one very practical and vital way this is flushed out 
uh, this rhythm is flushed out in your relationships in life. Really? Uh, really? Ready? <laughs> Listening. Whoa, shocking. Listening. How many, like, just raise your hand if you're like, I'm a good listener. Right? I think we all think we're good listeners. Most of us, I think I'm a great listener. <laughs> Let's be honest. Guess what? I'm not all the time. And you know what? Even if I am, I could be better. I could be better. I could do a better job of listening. And sometimes I, I think I misunderstand what listening's all about. I think it's just hearing the words while ignoring the person. But humble listening, the rhythm that God calls us to, is all about the person. It's all about that other person. In Philippians 2.4, it says, In humility, humility value others above yourselves. Look not to your own, own interests, but to the interests of others. 1 Corinthians 13, right? Love. Love is patient. Further down, it says, Love is not self-seeking. A listening person is patient, is a patient person who doesn't seek their own ends. Listening. Uh, the listening I'm talking about is a desire to understand the other person. It's not just not speaking. It's actually so much more than that. It actually involves a lot of talking. It's desiring to understand them, to value what they are up to, what they are into, and what they're thinking about. It is a relational rhythm grounded in humility. It is a practical fulfillment of Philippians 2 and a reflection of what our God models so perfectly for us. I mean, how many prayers does God patiently listen to? Like a lot, at least from me. I don't know about you. I've got, uh, like, we've got to be patient with our own thoughts and ideas and understanding and eager to hear and understand them. This rhythm is fruitful in every situation, in every relationship. And truly, what you practice now with your mom, your dad, your friends, your whatever, I don't know, anyone, every relationship, if you practice this rhythm as with the others, it will translate to other relationships both now and in the future. Health in relationships hangs on our willingness to humble ourselves and listen to others. And this is true whether the person is someone you are excited to hear from and understand and hear their ideas or someone that you disagree with. And maybe you're like, I have a strong rebuttal for everything you've said. We should still listen. We should still seek to understand. This uh, healthy relationship can come out of that too. And if you are going to have one, you got to start with listening and being humble enough to listen to them to seek to understand them. So, again, I want to be practical. So, what does this look like? It looks like asking questions. It looks like asking questions. So many questions. <laughs> questions upon questions. And I've kind of narrowed it to these two categories of questions. There's a lot of ways to divide this up, but this is how I've done it, so deal with it. These two, clarifying questions and digging deeper questions. And it's important to note that you don't have to agree with someone to ask these questions. You don't have to agree with them to make sure you've understood them or to learn more about them. So I'm going to give practical examples. Here are three real-life examples of clarifying questions that came up in conversations I've had recently. And these are questions asked in the middle of a conversation, trying to, to clarify, like, am I understanding what you're saying? So I was recently talking with someone about the frustration they had with another person, and they were using similar terms to refer to different things. 
And I was getting really confused. And so I, I thought I was tracking with them, but I wasn't sure. And truthfully, maybe they were confused too because emotions are really hard to communicate, right? So, so this is what I said. This is how I tried to clarify. So he disagreed with you, but it's the way he did it, not what you disagreed about that frustrates you. So that's a confusing thing, right? To even that sentence is confusing. It was a confusing conversation. So I was trying to clarify what was going on. I just asked the question. It was like, this is what I'm understanding, so I'm going to throw that out there and find out if that's right, because <laughs> it might not be. It's a clarifying question, checking in that I am understanding the nuance of what you're saying, and it gives them the opportunity to, to either rephrase what they're saying so that I do understand or to affirm that I am understanding them. Either way, it's a good thing, and we're both better off for it, but especially me in trying to understand them. Another one, uh, another way to do this is to ask, uh, like, is this accurate or am I understanding this correctly? And, and then have like a summary of what you think they just said, kind of like I did before. So uh, I said, it, it sounds like the lack of communication was hard for you and felt like abandonment. Is that accurate? Sometimes you may need to be super humble and just acknowledge that like, I don't know what that word you used. <laughs> Ever done that? Like you're in a conversation with someone. I feel like it especially happens in groups where we like walk in and people are talking. And we're like, yeah. And then in your mind, you're playing back all the context of the sentence. And you're like, this word probably means farts. That's what I'm going with. I don't know. That's what I came up with in my head. But like, you, you just try and fill in the gaps based on context. And so you know what's better? Instead of assuming things, ask. Just ask. Or sometimes they're using terms that you're like, I think I know what you're saying, but you're using it in a way that's kind of confusing to me. And so just ask. Like one example of this in a conversation I recently had is uh, I had to ask them, you said you felt disordered. Can you clarify that for me a bit? I didn't quite get it. I didn't understand what they're saying, so I had to ask for help because I'm not smart enough <laughs> to know what they're saying. It's essential to do this uh, if we're going to accurately hear people. So clarifying questions. Make sense? Great. Digging deeper questions. These are important too. Once we've understood what they're saying, we can know more about them if we dig deeper. In the middle of a conversation, uh, at an appropriate moment, these are some examples recently of conversations I had. And again, guys, I'm using these because it's what I know, uh, not because I'm super good at this, <laughs> okay? So, uh, yeah, hopefully you pick that up. Um, example, what I said. You mentioned, you, uh, you mentioned being embarrassed. What about that experience was embarrassing for you? Digging deeper questions are about moving from understanding the words they have used to trying to understand the person saying them. It's still about what they have said but using that to better understand who they are. Like, I understand what embarrassment means, and in that moment I understood the situation they explained, but, but to know more about what specifically was embarrassing to them sheds more light on the person, and it opens the door for further understanding. And, and really, I've found people are super eager to step through those doors when we open them. People want to be known. They want to be seen. When we seek to understand and to know them more, they're happy about it. I haven't had many people 
be mad when I said, I didn't understand, can you explain again for me? Or you said this, I'd like to know more. They're usually happy because they're like, wow, somebody who cares about me, somebody who sees me, wants to know me deeper. Even if you disagree with them, when we do this, it opens the doors that, wow, they care about me. They want to know me. It's not just about what I'm saying. So digging deeper questions. Um, another example here, I, I'm, I recently had a conversation with someone where um, they said they should probably get some accountability in a certain area of life. So I just asked, you mentioned you should have accountability in that area. Do you want accountability? They said they should, but why don't they have it? I don't know. Do they want it? Just thought I'd ask. Another person was speaking very passionately with me this last week about a certain topic. And actually, uh, it was about a topic that I totally disagreed with them on, on their thoughts about it. And, and I didn't totally know how to interject or it, it didn't seem, it just wasn't right to step in and be like, you're wrong. <laughs> you got it all wrong. I felt it in my spirit, like, what do I do here? And so I asked, Lord, what do I do? <laughs> like, how do I, how, what do I do in the middle of this? I just want to rebuttal everything they're saying. And they're saying it so passionately. I know that won't go well. And thankfully, thankfully, there was a prompt to say, ask him a question. And so I was like, okay, I'll just ask a question. So I said, it seems like you're very passionate about this. Has that always been the case? And Man, did that open up conversation. It got to step back off the ledge of the passion to talk more about them. Not the topic, but them. Where they came from, their history, their experiences. Man, did it open up things. And I was eventually able to share my thoughts and opinions, but in a way that wasn't just this clashing of concepts, but was a relationship between two people. It was two people working together, people who disagree but respect and honor each other. And I think it started by the Lord prompting me, show him you love him. <laughs> Ask him a question about who he is or what's going on in his life. So those are digging deeper questions. We use these uh, to bridge the gap between what they've said and who they are, to understand more about them. There's so many questions that we can ask, so many questions we can ask people. But I think we don't ask because we're prideful. At least that's the case for me. Most often it's prideful. I'm, under, I'm embarrassed that I don't understand. I feel like I should understand or I should know what they're talking about or that they expect me to know or I don't know. Or I think I'm thinking more about me and the things that I want to say back to them, not thinking humbly about honoring them and serving them before myself. If we seek to understand others, to listen to others, it's about putting them first. It's about listening to what they have to say. It's about seeking to understand not just the words they've used, but the person behind the words. If we would be humble, I believe that we would see... Uh, a change in all of our relationships. If we would implement this rhythm of listening, seeking to understand people, I believe you'd see a change not just in the relationships that like of with people you like, but with people you don't like. You might see people you don't like window one over to be friends because they've seen, wow, this person cares for me and honors me. And you've been able to break down your ideological differences to see people on the other side. 
to a place where you can actually talk about whatever ideologies you hold. We've got to ask questions. Don't be too prideful to ask questions. And don't be so prideful that you miss out on knowing someone else. Cool. So that's the first one. Humility begets healthy relationships. And listening that values others and seeks to understand them is a very practical example of that rhythm. Okay, rhythm number two. This is a good one. Honesty is the best policy. Honesty is the best policy, my friends. It is. It really is. So, uh, again, 1 Corinthians 13, love rejoices in the truth. In the truth. Ephesians 4.25, therefore, having put away all falsehood, let each one of you speak the truth with his neighbor, for we are all members of one body. We're all together in this. Proverbs, again, love Proverbs. 10.9, whoever walks in integrity walks securely. Whoever takes crooked paths will be found out. Proverbs 12.22, lying lips are an abomination to the Lord, but those who act faithfully are his delight. Proverbs 19.1, better is a poor person who walks in his integrity than one who is crooked in speech and is a fool. Matthew 5.8, blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. I want to see God. <laughs> I hope you do too. Matthew 5.37, Jesus says this, let what you say be simply yes or no. Anything more than that comes from the evil one. Now let's start here. We'll camp out here on the let your yes be yes and your no be no. So, honesty is the best policy. And let your yes be no, or yes be, <laughs> yes be yes, and your no be no. It's just so straightforward if you say it correctly. Right? I mean, if you mean yes, say yes. If you mean no, say no. <laughs> It's not complicated. The point is, say what you mean and say what is true. Say what you mean and say what is true. For many of you, myself included, the absence of or the corruption of this healthy rhythm has or is devastating your relationships. We'll talk in a bit about setting clear expectations, but man, this we've just got to start telling the truth. We just need to start telling the truth. I've got a couple very practical examples here, and I believe um, this rhythm of saying what you mean and saying what is true, that if we ever want the abundant life that God desires for us, we've got to implement it. We've got to implement it. And in all our relationships. But I'm going to give some really practical uh, examples here that I think should be heard more often in this courtyard, and I think we would all be better off for it. Ready? Okay. Example number one. I enjoy being around you and am interested in you romantically and would like to get to know you better. I'll say it again. <laughs> Snaps. <laughs> I enjoy being around you, am interested in you romantically, and would like to get to know you better. All right. Don't get too far ahead of yourself. Here's number two. 
I am grateful that you see good things in me and am open to being friends, but not interested in a romantic relationship with you. <laughs> I'll say it again. <laughs> I am grateful that you see good things in me and am open to being friends, but not interested in a romantic relationship with you. Guys, ladies, we can do this. We can do this. We can do this. We can say what we mean and say what is true. And I actually say we. I should say you. I'm married, man. I did it. It worked. <laughs> All right? We can do this. You can do this. And not only you will be better off, but the person you're speaking with will be better off too. All right? And if you're sitting there going, man, I wish it was like that. I wish it was that easy. I wish it could just be that easy. It can. It starts with you. We've all got to do it collectively, but only you can do you. <laughs> so it starts with you. If you wish it was like that, then make it that way by doing your part and implementing this rhythm of honesty, of saying what you mean and saying what is true. You know, it seems so hard because we don't want to be vulnerable or to injure the other person or, or to injure some potential relationship, but you're actually doing more harm than good by kicking that bucket down the line because e eventually the truth will come out and, and it's just going to be a longer, more drawn out, painful process for you, for them, maybe for both of you. And either way, uh, all around, relationships suffer because even if, even if the response is reversed, even if the response is reversed and it's, yes, I would be interested in getting to know you better too, well, then at least your budding romances started with some clarity, which is pretty great and a really good foundation to start on. Really good foundation to start on. And like, I know it takes two to do this. I know it takes two people for that to work well. Or it, the assumption is that it takes two, so ah, uh, <laughs> what if they don't? Do your part. Do your part. And let's say you, you get there and get there, whatever. I don't know wherever there is, <laughs> but whatever this conversation looks like, if there isn't clarity, ask. Ask. Put those clarifying questions to work and ask. It seems scary, but man, you're going to be better off for it. You're going to be better off for it. You know, like, in, like personal example, my wife Amy and I, like, we had a very clear conversation. I was not being clear. She said, I need to talk to you. <laughs> I said, okay. <laughs> <laughs> and she spoke very clearly and directly and just said, hey, I'm confused. Can you help me understand better? Where are we at? I'm at this place. Where are you at? And man, that clarifying conversation was fantastic. In an odd way, we actually left that conversation saying we weren't going to pursue each other. And you know what actually happened? I left that conversation going, dang, that's a girl I can have a conversation with and have a healthy relationship with. I need to pursue her. <laughs> and so I did. Whatever you're afraid of, whatever's keeping you from saying what you mean and saying what is true is actually causing you more harm 
it's probably causing them more harm. And ultimately, we all suffer. Because now, everybody feels awkward. <laughs> right? Because why is this so hard for everyone? Why is this so hard for all of us? Let's, let's be a, may this be a place where that doesn't happen. <laughs> let's eradicate that awkwardness. It's still going to be awkward. It's awkward right now, isn't it? You're all thinking, you're all thinking about that conversation you've got to have. <laughs> Sorry. Man. This rhythm of saying what you mean and saying what is true is not just helpful in the dating realm, of course. It's definitely not just helpful in the dating realm. It is essential in any and every relationship with your parents, with your boss, with your friends, with your siblings, with everyone, with everyone. And man, it'll go a long way if in the midst of this you implement the be humble point we talked about previously. Know your worth, know your value, know where it came from, and put the needs of others before yourself, which means being honest with them, even if it's uncomfortable for you. Do it graciously, do it gently, but say what you mean and say what is true. Amen? Amen. Great. This next week there's going to be some girls getting asked out probably, very directly. There's going to be some people getting turned down. But you know what? I think we're all going to be better for it. I think we're all going to be better for it. All right. (laughs) All right. Man. All right, number two here uh, of honesty is the best policy. It is the best policy, my friends. Honesty is the best policy. And here's the second point. Hiding never helped anyone. Hiding never helped anyone. I'll give you an example of what I'm talking about here. So just this last Monday, I'm sitting in my daughter's room, which is my at-home office. She's a baby, so she doesn't really need it. So it's mine now. And... Someone had sent me a YouTube video that I decided to watch. And shortly before this, like earlier that morning, I told my wife, I need to get upstairs and get to work. I I got things I need to do, which implies she would need to take on both kids, right? And so I'm, I'm combing through email on one screen, have this YouTube video playing on the other, and Amy opens the door and walks in to get some clothes for our daughter, Ellie. And my first instinct, my first instinct is to shield to hide, to hide the fact that I was watching this video. Now, like, there was no reason I needed to hide that. There's no reason, other than my own thoughts, that, that I should be working, that I, I, should, I should project that I don't ever get distracted from work by such things, or, or that, like, Every moment of me not being with them is justified by my focus on work. Like these are things in my own mind. These are things I'm I'm thinking on my own, and so I try and hide because of what I, I want to project. I was ashamed and I hid. I hid something about myself, about about who I was, about what I was doing, the decision I had made. I was hiding. And I don't know if Amy noticed at all. I don't think she did, but I did. I did. And I had to ask myself, I'm hiding this. (laughs) Why am I hiding this? I had to ask why I had this intuition to hide this specific thing. What am I trying to hide about myself? I believe many of you can relate to that story in some way. 
the impulse to hide, the, the decisions uh, you've made or to hide the things you're into or the things you've done. And I just got to tell you, what a silly thing to do. <laughs> what a silly, foolish thing to do to hide, especially from those that love us, especially from those that love us, even if it's something rough or hard. And even if you know that they, they love you imperfectly, if they love you, don't hide from them. Don't hide yourself. I recognize how much hiding I do, shielding myself, or in these like silly little ways, trying to manipulate others' perspective on me. And that's not helpful. It's not helpful for those in my life that want to know me and want to love me. I'm actually limiting their ability to do so by withholding these realities about myself. I'm limiting their ability to love me and to know me. And that's whether it's a good thing, a bad thing, or even just like a neutral thing, like even just like a silly thing. Like I'm into remote control airplanes. Like I really like building them and flying them and mostly crashing them. And, and I take time to sit in my garage and like come up with my own designs. And probably not many of you knew that about me because I generally hide it. I generally hide it. I don't know. It's like, it feels childish to me, and so I hide it. But I'm into it, and I like it. Why am I hiding that? Hiding is so destructive to relationships. If, uh, and it's not just innate things. It's, it's the good things, but it's also the bad things, even really big things. If there's something big you're ashamed of, hiding isn't worth it. It's not worth it. Because you can get help with it. And experience the forgiveness and grace and love of God expressed through others. Deciding not to hide opens the door to be known, to be loved, to be corrected, to be real. And that is a healthy relationship rhythm. That is a healthy relationship rhythm. So let's stop hiding. Amen? Amen. Thanks. All right, number three. The last one here. Your influence is limited, and so is theirs. Your influence is limited, and so is theirs. Embracing this reality, my friends, will help you develop God-honoring relational rhythms because this is a point we all need to accept, but it's really hard to accept. You ready? You don't control other people, and they don't control you. You don't control other people, and they don't control you. Proverbs 9.12 says very clearly, if you are wise, you are wise of yourself. If you scoff, you alone bear it. Like, like, guys, we're individuals. We're individuals in community and families uh, that, that impact and affect each other, but we're still individuals. God created you unique and specific and with a will of yourself. And he did the same for other, th- other people too. Like, there are things that, that you care about. I'm, there's things that we all care about, care deeply about, but we don't have control over them. And we need to accept the reality that we don't have control over them. And there's a lot, but I'm going to focus in on relational things like this. Other people's words, other people's ideas, other people's mistakes, other people's beliefs, other people's actions, or the consequences of other people's actions. This is all stuff outside of your control. That's outside of your control. 
And then there's things you can control. Things like my words, my actions, my behavior, my effort, my weakness, my mistakes, and the consequences for my mistakes, my response to my emotions, my walk with Jesus, my love for others. These are things you have control over. There's a clear difference between what you have control over and can influence and what you do not have control over. And a part of healthy rhythms in relationships is to recognize where you end and another person begins. We need to recognize where you end. I need to recognize where I end and where another person begins, and so do you. And if you can implement healthy rhythms in your life and exercise them with others, you you can do that. But guess what? You can't dictate whether another person implements them. We've got to accept this reality, and it's it's hard. Because I just I but but he should know. (laughs) He should do he shouldn't have treated me like that. You're right. But that's all you can do. I think so often we, we like get ourselves so wrapped up with those things that we care about but can't control, and we expend so much emotional energy, uh, so much mental capacity, so much time, so much effort. We put so much towards this, this sphere of concern that we can't actually control, but, but we care so deeply about it. And we, and we go out there trying to manipulate it, trying to make it work for us, trying to, to get that person, stop acting that way, stop acting that way. Uh, don't do that. Like We work so hard for these things and we tire ourselves out. We get, we get hopeless. We get lost. We feel dejected. We feel victims. We feel like I got, uh, it's all just coming down on me. Well, you're working on things you can't actually control. You're expending yourself on things you can't actually control. We gotta let go of that. And embrace the things we can control. And then for those things that you can't control, be humble and be honest. And then leave the rest to the Lord. And pray, 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 pray. But except you can't control that. You can't control the way your mother treats you. You can't. But you can be humble and you can be honest and you can pray. You can't control whether that person responds with the affirmative response to the I am interested in you romantically. You can't control that. But you can be humble and you can be honest. And you can trust the Lord, not just with yourself, but with them. There are things you can't control. Your influence is limited, and so is theirs. Amen? Amen. All right, and last thing. I'm just going to, I just got to say this. This is on the whole communication front. Uh, Hinting isn't communicating, right? Hinting is not communicating. Amen? (laughs) Great. You aren't a mind reader. I think we all get that. Like, we get it. I can't read other people's minds. But I think where we get that concept a little goofy is is, uh, where we think that the other person can (laughs) or we think they should, you should. You should have known. You should have noticed. Sorry, they didn't. (laughs) Like, like, did you communicate it? Man. They're like anniversaries, birthdays. You're like, man, this friend, I've really wanted her to 
to make me that same sort of jacket thing that she made for herself, and I was just dropping hint after hint after hint. And then she got me this other thing, which is nice, but it's not what I wanted, man. She just doesn't know me. <laughs> Hinting's not communicating. <laughs> like, communicate, communicate. He should have known. I think it's funny, too, how, like, how often uh, a friend recently pointed this out to me, uh, that subtlety and romance... We think they're the same thing, but they're not. (laughs) Like, they're not. Like, subtlety and romance aren't the same thing. So there's a place for subtlety and romance, but there's a much bigger, more important place for clarity. So don't don't think, like, I'm dropping all these hints. I'm into you. Like, like, hey, like, just say it. (laughs) Like, just say it. Hinting isn't communicating. I'm... Okay, some passages. Let's get to scripture. That'll, that's good. That'll be better. Deuteronomy 12, uh, 29, 29 says this, The Lord our God has secrets known to no one. They are, we are not accountable for them, but we and our children are accountable forever for all that he has revealed to us so that we may obey all the terms of these instructions. So uh, our God is complex beyond anything we can imagine. He, he has uh, revealed much of himself to us through scripture, but, but there is more about him that we don't know. More, much, much more. And the Bible is clear that he won't hold us accountable for what he hasn't revealed. He does not expect us to read his mind. He does expect us to read his word and to live in obedience to it. But he doesn't expect us to know or understand or be held accountable for those things he hasn't revealed to us. And it's beneficial if we follow his example. We are created in the image of our Lord, complex beyond the understanding of those around us. You're complex. You're real complex, which means, which means we absolutely cannot expect anyone to read our minds or anticipate our wants and needs. We, we have to communicate them. And we can't hold anyone accountable for what has not been communicated. And by the way, the inverse is true as well. If somebody hasn't communicated it with you, don't beat yourself up about it. Don't let them drag you all around. That doesn't mean like fight back physically or something, but like, but just emotionally, be in a place to say, you know what? That wasn't communicated clearly. Okay. Remember back to the influence or the the what you can control and can't control. You can't control their response to that or their expectation, their poorly communicated expectation, but you can control your response to that. And again, go back to humility and honesty. All right. Ben, you guys want to come back up? Let's wrap this thing up. Those are the three rhythms uh, and a whole lot of sub points. Um, Implement them, my friends. Implement them. Be humble. Be honest. And recognize the limits of your control. I want to encourage you. If you, if you like during this whole thing, if you're like, like surveying your relationships tonight and just like in a state of mourning because you're like, man, whew, there is hope, my friends. There is hope. There is hope. There is abundance in the kingdom of God. There an overflow of redemption and hope. And look ahead to what he has for you, knowing he graciously and mercifully forgives and heals. Look ahead 
Don't get so caught up behind that you don't see the opportunity and love that's ahead of you. God is a God who redeems. He's a God who loves, who heals. So there's hope, my friends. There's hope. Let's move forward trying our best to implement these things. And even when we fall off the bandwagon, getting back on. You know, Brian Howard talked last week about brushing his teeth. Even when he misses a couple days, he comes back. Or one day. I think he said one day. Yeah. Maybe that's me. (laughs) I don't know. Masks are helpful. (laughs) You know you do it too. My friends, God wants good things for you. God wants good things for you. He built you for relationships. So let's be a community that runs to God's rhythms and experiences the abundant life Christ calls us to live and enjoy. Let's pray. Father God, you are good. You are good, Lord. You are so good. And you have spoken to us. You've given us this guidebook and shown us how to live that we may live truly and thrive fully. Lord, these good rhythms that you've given, I don't want to just know them. I want to apply them and experience the abundance you intend for me and for these people, my friends. Lord, I pray we all would step into these rhythms. Lord, would you show us? Would you guide us? Would you correct us? Would you help us, Lord, in our weakness? I think of the man who said, uh, Lord, help my unbelief. When we lack the faith to keep going, Lord, help us in that. To keep coming back, looking ahead to what will be, what can be. We're going to go and do it, Lord. We're going to go and do it. (laughs) We may fail or lose uh, a beat at times, but we're going to come back again. We're going to keep coming back again in faith that you are good. We love you, Lord. And all God's people said, amen.